Hello everyone, welcome to Quaxu Quaff, the world's greatest history of medicine slash wine review podcast. In this episode, Bella is drinking a virgin watermelon daiquiri, the recipe for which you can find in the podcast description, while Canal is drinking a Clos Saint-Jacques 2019 Riesling, and they'll be talking to us about uh, the discovery of steroids and dexamethasone's role in COVID-19. And I'll be drinking uh, with Kim a Three Choirs uh, classic cuvee, uh, English sparkling wine. And we'll be talking about the San Francisco Anti-Mask League. So after a year, welcome back to Quacks Who Quaff. It has been a year. What a year! Uh, we are the Quacks. Hello, Bella. Hi, JT. Hello, Canal. JT, good to see you. Hello, Kim. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> and I'm Jamie. Hello. Uh, we are the Quacks, and we are here to quaff. Uh, how's 2020 been for everybody? Yeah, that 2020 is. Uh... A great year yeah, to work in hospital. <laughs> At least you'll always be in a job in healthcare in 2020. That's what we've learned in 2020. <laughs> always look on the bright we side. the right us. career. <laughs> How's 2020 been for you, Kim? Much the same. <laughs> Eat, work, sleep, repeat. Eat, work, sleep, repeat. And occasionally drink wine. Uh, we are doing this over Zoom because we are obeying the rules. Uh, Nottingham probably going to go tier three very soon so we are yeah. keeping safe mm -hmm. uh none of us are working none of us are on call none of us are driving please drink responsibly absolutely and one drink of us is not drinking at all bella yes i'm not drinking at all unfortunately i'm non-alcoholic <laughs> you've got your you've got, you've got yourself a, a nine month project on the go it's a, a nine-month abstinence from drinking. Yes, it's not because I drank too much in recent days. She's raising a fifth quack. Yes. <laughs> Siring a fifth quack. No need to ask you how lockdown's been then, Canal. <laughs> you get bored, don't you? <laughs> uh, what are you drinking by way of not having alcohol then, Bella? What have you got on the go? I have got a lovely watermelon virgin daiquiri. Very nice. And what's Made it, with love. What's in that? What's in it? Yeah. Uh, it's got watermelon juice, mint, and then topped up with a bit of lemonade. And lime. And lime, sorry. Lime and mint. I said mint. And simple syrup that's spiced. <laughs> God, you're cutting me properly short with the with the effort I put into this cocktail. But it's nice, that's the main thing. Do you know how hard it is to make a cocktail and not just reach for rum for this drink? I'm like, I was so close to just putting rum in it because you naturally would just put rum in it. Human factors, Canal. I know, I know, it happens, it happens. Uh, and what are you drinking uh, tonight, Canal? So today, I'm, I've actually, so I followed your example because we obviously we discussed what wine we were going to go with beforehand. It would have been yeah. difficult to both to both of us to get the same wine. So I've gone away from red, which I'm usually a red drinker, but I've gone with a white today, and I've gone with my go-to white is I'm a fan of the old Riesling. Uh, so I love a good Riesling, which is um, a Rhine grape, which is German originally. But I've got an interesting one because mine is a Kloss St. Jake's 2019 Riesling, that is uh, actually grown in France. It's grown in the Rhone region of France. So it's a Riesling, classically a German-Austrian grape, that's grown in France in a classically Pinot Noir Cabernet Sauvignon region. So it's quite an interesting one. Yeah. Nice piece of Franco-Germanic cooperation there. Yes, because they've got a great history of that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, moving on. Uh, as you said, Canal. Yeah, what have you guys got? Uh, so we've, as you said, we've done a lot of reds, and every other show we've only had red. So we want to do something different, and so we've got ourselves this, which is the Three Choirs Classic Cuvée, and this is something of a favourite, isn't it? Kim? It is. We already know we like this one. 
And so this one is courtesy of uh, Delilah Fine Foods. Uh, Love Delilah. In Nottingham. Hashtag not a sponsor. Uh, and uh, this is an English sparkling wine because it is spark it's if it's from England it's a sparkling wine uh, you have to be yep. from the champagne region to be a champagne and mm -hmm. uh, this is a, a blend it's 30% uh, Pinot Noir and 70% uh, Saval Blanc yeah which cool. is a which is a great variety which grows well in North America and England which is where Excellent. we are it is where we are and if you hold I feel that like I'm open, representing the rosé with my watermelon <laughs> Where'd you go? We're not, we're not, we're not drinking rosé on this podcast. I can't bring myself to. What, do at that. all? No, I'm not doing. Can't do it. I quite like rosé. Rosé has its place. Um, so I've never drank a rosé like. Oh, that was a good pop. Yeah, that, that was, was a good, good noise, that. wasn't it? Okay, there we go. We're going to give the cork to our cat. She likes playing with corks. There we go. Yes, if you hear it rattling around in the background, that's what that is. That's Freya, our cat, who joined us just before lockdown. Oh, excellent. So, she got to see a lot of her humans. There we go. And served in a flute as well. Look at that. That's a good flute. Strong. Thank you. Well, it's very bubbly. I can see that's got some serious carbonation. It has. Little, little bubbles. Mm. Cheers, Canal. Cheers, Bella. Cheers, chaps. Cheers, guys. Cheers, Canal. There we go. Right. So, we are, of course, a podcast which combines drinking wine or virgin cocktails uh, with discussing medical history, medical stories, and such like. Um. So in Nottingham earlier today, they were having themselves a bit of a COVID conspiracy uh, demonstration. Yeah, I was there. Yes. I saw that. Did you see it? it? There's like three chaps, one with a micro, one with a megaphone, and they're handing out pamphlets. And I was very. They've they been quaffing a bit as well. Yeah, they sounded like they had a few quaffs. <laughs> Very much so. And I was very uh, hungry and cold, and I was just willing them to try and give me a pamphlet. <laughs> um, but uh, one of the things I think they talk about a lot is that uh, a cure for COVID is being suppressed and all of that sort of stuff. And they talk a lot about masks as well. And so we yeah. kind of, in this, we're going to talk about, about masks. Uh, as well as the only thing that we really have found so far which does help treat COVID, which is dexamethasone. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, shall we start with uh, dexamethasone and steroids, guys? Yeah, we can do. It's going to be a quick one, so we just wanted to give the people a bit of a rough understanding about steroids because um, the amount of people that have asked me about um, I don't think we should take steroids for COVID because then we'll become all muscular and that's really bad for you. And people don't have a clue what steroids are, unfortunately. So steroids, so these are drugs that they've not, the steroids haven't been around for as long as people think. So medical steroids. So medical steroids have only been around since the 50s, um, but they've been a big deal since the 50s. Um, so there was a group of scientists, um, a chap called Edward Kendall, a chap called Harold Mason, uh, and a chap called um, Philip Hench. Now, two chemists and a medic, two medics and a, a two two chemists and a medic uh, there, and they did a lot of work through 1930 through to 1950 uh, around isolating um, compounds from the adrenal cortex of animals, uh, and they were. It was the, the chap, Philip Hench, was a, a rheumatologist, and the other two were, were chemists, pharmaceutical chemists. Uh, and there'd always been a postulation that you could refine the sub substance from the adrenal cortex. So they used to call it substance E. Um, they went through A to E. Um, and they always had this grand theory of using court, um, animal adrenal cortex substance 
to treat rheumatoid arthritis. Um, and their theory was that um, Philip Henshaw was the, the physician, theorized that all of his RA patients might well have some level of hypoadrenalism. So he always observed that his RA patients were frail and emaciated and low BP and typically sort of acted as if they were Addison's patients. So he had this concept that by giving them adrenal um, adrenal serums, uh, he could improve their symptoms. Um, so in 1948, he actually managed to isolate the compound, substance E, which eventually be became the substance called cortisone. Cortisone is what we call it now today. Uh, and he started treating his patients with um, animal-derived cortisone from cows. Uh, he used to get the cortisone out and inject them. And it was amazing for rheumatoid arthritis. It was literally like a miracle cure. The patients that he gave this cortisone to, um, within a matter of days, they were able to pretty much go and exercise, do everything they couldn't do without debilitating rheumatoid arthritis thereafter. Um, his patients, unfortunately, um, started developing Cushing syndrome, is what we call it now, big moon face, hypertension, all this sort of thing. But he still managed to win the Nobel Peace Prize off the back of it in um, just three years later in 1951. So steroids were a big deal originally, um, but they've only been around since about the 50s. What they did over the course of the next 10 to 20 years is start refining um, steroids uh, and trying to figure out which steroids which. So there's three major types of steroids in the world. One of them being corticosteroids or glucocorticosteroids. One of them being mineral corticosteroids. And then one of them being the sex steroids, which are what you call the anabolic steroids. All completely different. We're not really interested in the anabolic style steroids. Uh, the anabolic steroids are testosterone and estrogen. Glucocorticoid steroids, they created prednisolone, they then created budesonide, and they later created dexamethasone, which is pretty much the most potent anti-inflammatory steroid known to man at the moment. It's very, very, very potent stuff. Other groups of scientists that went down the adrenal route synthesized the mineral corticoid effects of hydrocortisone, and they ended up coming up with fludrocortisone, ultimately, which is the most potent of the mineral corticoid steroids. So over the years, they used it in pretty much every single condition you can think of <laughs> steroids were used for. So like muscular injuries, asthma, colitis, tumors, you, any, kind of, any kind of situation that had an overactivation of the immune system steroids were used in and, they and were, even things that you wouldn't even think of like there's reports in um, 1960s america of them using it to in psychology to help detect what they called melancholism so melancholism melancholism so if you were showing signs of depression they would give you some dexamethasone and see if it had an effect cool dexamethasone and did it great apparently so but obviously now it's not used as a diagnostic anymore <laughs> But if you talk about my field, then we also give it in terms of preterm births as well. So we give it um, to give infants a little bit of a boost in their lungs so that they have less respiratory problems going forward. So it's got such a wide range of uses. I think at the time it was hailed like a panacea for the diseases. Yeah, exactly. It's a panacea, a, a drug that's a panacea, a drug that can be used for everything is what it was originally thought for. Unfortunately, over the years, we've realized what some of the side effects can be. So one of the big ones I just mentioned was something called Cushing syndrome. So that's where you have an overstimulation of um, adrenaline within your, uh, within your body, and you get various different effects off the back of that. One of the big problems is osteoporosis. So this stuff will thin your bones out like crazy. Uh, this stuff will punch holes in your gut after a while because, unfortunately, it causes gastric ulcers. Weight gain is Weight a notorious one. And behavioural disturbances as well because of um, its effect on higher centres. So you have this um, you have this concept of roid rage, mm. roid rage, particularly in America. So this is a steroid-induced psychosis. So particularly long-term use of these drugs, you get a lot of, um, you can have a lot of problems off the back of them. Um, however, we still use it pretty damn successfully in a lot of different conditions. Things like sinusitis, things like hay fever, things like dermatitis, things like um, histamine reactions, 
colitis, Crohn, altitude sickness. altitude sickness, yeah, so many different things. So a bit of a crazy one, you could use them for quite a few things. What makes, the question is, what makes dexamethasone the one that works well for COVID and viral illness, which is actually a really interesting question. Dexamethasone is the steroid that has the highest pound-for-pound anti-inflammatory activity out of all of the different steroid agents, and actually very little mineral or corticoid effects, so very little effect on your blood pressure and stuff like that. So if you need a drug that is... If you need a drug that wants to suppress inflammation straight away, typically you go for dexamethasone. And actually, you might remember, JT, uh, when we unfortunately get in ED, our new uh, brain metastases and brain cancers, and you ring your neurosurgical colleague, yeah. the first thing you typically say is um, get some dexamethasone in as quick as you can. Yeah. Uh, just bring that down as quick as physically possible. Yeah. And so we know now that, fast forward now, obviously, to COVID times, there was a very big trial that was done over the course of this year. There's the recovery the trial. The recovery trial, uh, yep. which had lots of different arms. Uh, one of the arms was treating COVID patients with dexamethasone. There was another one with remdesivir. Yep. There was another one with um, an old HIV drug, Kibexa. Um, and then placebo, obviously. Placebo. And then we had, uh, I think, interferons and things like that. Uh and it's very clear, the evidence is pretty damn clear, that in your very sick patients... So those hosp- that are ventilated? Ventilated, on requiring oxygenation, requiring hospital care, dexamethasone did improve survival rates and improve time to, um, time to discharge, which is a really, really big discovery and a big breakthrough because dexamethasone is a relatively easy drug to get hold of and um, relatively safe when used in this context as well. Um, so it's been a really big, really big, no, I wouldn't say a game changer, um, but it's been a really big, big breakthrough in the COVID battle. Cool. That was <laughs> So when uh, Matt Hancock, our erstwhile Secretary of State, did a big thing about he was in a pharmacy and he was going, we're going to let community pharmacies have more dexamethasone, it's going to be great. Um, bit of shameless PR there when it really only works yeah. if you're needing oxygenation or if you're needing ventilation for your patients, who's, for your guys at home or suffering with, you know, mild symptoms. It, it's not a, of benefit. There's no evidence at that point. And, and I think the problem is there. So it's a bit like giving antibiotics if you've got the sniffles. Yeah. You wouldn't so, really. So the, layman, so the layman would say if it works for a really sick COVID patient, why can't I have it as a... I've still got COVID, maybe it'll make me feel better quicker. And they might not be wrong in saying that. We haven't got the evidence that says that that's true. But the risk-benefit of giving powerful steroids for extended periods of time to a person that's not so unwell as to need hospital care, always remember that steroids do have their own side effects. They do increase the risk of ulcers. They do increase the risk of these psychoses and things like that. Um, There are risks innately associated with them so we don't want to use them in situations where we don't have to use them speaking of psychoses have you seen donald trump's tweets Mm. (laughs) the man i'm quite amazed like this is the most interesting time to to look at politics ever in the world with like bojo and donald trump some of the stuff he's saying is mad I think, I don't know whether he's genuinely losing the plot or... I think uh, apparently he was given some steroids, so maybe there's well, some psychosis induced in there. He got, <laughs> he got covalent plasma, didn't he? I think they gave him proper covalent... They gave him antibody treatment with plasma, which is insane. That's quality. And then he wants to give that to everybody with COVID. Perks, I guess. Well, you'll need some serious donation donation to, uh, to donate enough plasma to be able to treat everybody in America. Kim, you're American. Be crazy. <laughs> Don't drag me into this. And she works in the UK now. Yes. Well away from that. <laughs> the safe zone. But yeah, when he's coming out with, I'm now immune, this was a gift from God, etc. And you think, well, even for his baseline, obviously his baseline's very bizarre anyway, but you do wonder whether some of it was a little bit of you know, having seen patients who are, who are you know, uh, suffering side effects from steroids, um, it wouldn't take long to, it wouldn't take much of a leap of the imagination to think he was probably a little bit off his face as he was tweeting that. 
Well, you wouldn't be you wouldn't be surprised. He goes into hospital and says, "Like, what's that dose of dexamethasone you're giving me? Um, six milligram, like it is, like in the trial. Give me ten times that. I can take it. I can take it. I can take it. But I need to get back to work. I need to get back to work. You can ask anyone. I can take it. Yeah, I can take it. Just just keep giving. Keep keep bringing. It. Keep bringing it. I don't know whether he's genuinely a troll. Like he is a troll in his own right. He is. Means he says things he says. Oh wow! Well. Unless I'm unless they are suppressing the truth and those people in the middle of Nottingham are correct. Uh, dexamethasone seems to be the only drug so far that's been shown to have any benefit, a reliable benefit in patients with COVID. Unless yeah, you guys, unless you guys know used- more. It's ours as well, isn't it? Yeah, so it had That's evidence. That's where a lot yeah. of the evidence base comes from. That was where the logic of using it came from. It was used in SARS, um, and it's natural as well. So some of the some of the pathophysiology that might cause COVID's chest changes. So this sort of like these ground glass changes, as we say, um, might have similar sort of some crossover with viral exacerbation of COPD which is actually what we typically use steroids for anyway now. So there is, so you, you classically give your patient prednisolone for that sort of a situation. It made sense to use dexamethasone, but now the evidence is actually there that it is safe. And I think it's very, pretty damn well tolerated in this patient profile as well. Um, we're using remdesivir now as well. So increasingly we're giving a lot of people remdesivir, but the evidence behind remdesivir is not as strong as it is for dexamethasone really. Uh, there's a little bit of evidence, but it's not as strong as dexamethasone. No, it's just... I was amazed at the fact that it's only been around since the 50s. When we first looked at it, we thought it'd been around for absolute, like hundreds of years. It's incredible. Yeah, I didn't know that steroids, like proper synthetic steroids, have been around for 50 years. That is mad. Hmm. Excellent. Cool. Mm. How is your reasoning going down, Canal? This is good stuff. So... It's quite acidic. So this is, this is I, the first thing I got was acid. So it's quite apple It's got a bit of apples and pears to it. It's definitely sharp. You can taste the sharpness to it. It's got a bit of like peachiness to it as well, but it's very clean. It's very easy drinking. It's quite low proof wine. So it's only 12%. Um, but it's very nice. It's, it's, to be honest, it's a classic Riesling. You wouldn't know that it was grown in France. Very apple So the Rieslings always, to me, are very, very apple There may be Riesling connoisseurs sort of uh, spinning around hearing you say that, but... <laughs> to me, Riesling, it's like strong cider. Oh, don't say that. <laughs> no, don't say that. Sorry. It's a bit better than that. But to me, th- this is very apple A bit of apples, pears, peaches, and quite acidic. But it's very nice, going down quite nicely. How's that bubbly of yours? How's the bubbly, Kim? Three quiet is lovely. It's bubbly. <laughs> bubbly, yeah. It's, ex- it's an excellent test for anosmia, isn't it? it is, Can I still yeah. smell? Can I still taste? That's why it's important to drink wine regularly. If the mass is uh, a glass of wine, that's how you're going to tell them. <laughs> no, I mean, that's like, the upper class way of testing. I mean, this is great podcasting, but you can see it is really sparkling. If I hold it up to you guys, you can see there are a lot of bubbles out of this. It's classic, small small bubbles for a champagne. It must be made in the champagne style. Mm. <laughs> Although it's not a champagne. Yeah, in the champagne style, however. Where's it actually from in terms of in the UK? So uh, it is, if I have a look at its label, uh, the Three Choirs Vineyard is in Newent, Gloucestershire. Gloucester. Mm. Always good. So like come the no deal Brexit, this is what we'll all be drinking for special occasions. <laughs> It's good, good to know we've yeah, got I mean, maybe that's a good, it's a good thing, arguably. Yeah. <laughs> we drink too much, we give the French too much credit for their wine, we make some good stuff. We do make some good stuff. I've been impressed by a lot of the English wine we've mm. had. Mm. Mm. It's good. So what do you think of its smell and taste, Kim? Bubbly. <laughs> <laughs> See, that is, my prob- that is my slight problem. I must say that I find it hard to, like, I like champagnes and sparkling whites. But they're so bubbly, it is really difficult to actually distinguish the taste between bubbly wines. Mm. I always say. I can I can definitely tell the difference. I'm just I've not got a very refined palate yet to actually be able to explain what I'm tasting, other than I like it. <laughs> so it's not bubbly wine. 
I've got that. So it's definitely it's definitely got apples there. Mm. I think it's not got as much. So another English sparkling wine we quite like is Night Timber. Um, which we were introduced to at Al Camilla, which is another Nottingham um, restaurant. And that one is really apple It really tastes of apples when you have that. This isn't quite as apple as think, no, as that one. A bit lighter. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's lovely. Quite, quite dry. And um, to be honest, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to pretend that if you held me a glass of champagne and a glass of this, I would be able to tell which one was which. <laughs> so what is you guys' topic for today? What have we got? Are you trying to grab the wine? Yeah. I'm trying to give the wine to the kid. <laughs> so, uh, had you guys heard of, before I said to it, had you guys heard of the Anti-Mask League? No, I haven't heard of this. No, not at all. It sounds like the League of Evil. It does sound a bit like Ku Klux Klan. Governed, governed by Dr. Death. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, so, as as you know, there and, and as you guys saw in Nottingham, there's been a lot uh, about masks, and I'm sure you... I mean, Canal, you are also on Twitter. I'm sure you've seen some of the stuff that's being put out there about masks cause... You know, you to retain your carbon dioxide because it doesn't let you breathe it out or stuff like that. I'm sure you've seen stuff like that. I think I selectively filter out a lot of that kind of stuff because it makes me so angry. But I have I have seen a lot of nonsense. Cool. So when obviously yes, I've seen it in social media. The thing where it gets even worse is when you challenge people. Mm. So when you're in a situation, so when I'm when I'm like in a community pharmacy as the responsible pharmacist owning it and then asking people very politely to put a mask on and then them telling me that I'm that they're exempt for reasons that don't legally mean they're exempt because there are legal reasons um, but they say that oh it makes them feel funny and dizzy and stuff like that and so they'd rather put people at risk um, does upset me greatly um, yeah but I'm not sure whether I have the time or patience to educate them I think that's the difficulty especially with us all having been working within an acute trust and seeing mm. the reality of what COVID is actually doing to mm. go out into day-to-day community and people who are willfully putting themselves and others at danger through ignorance or stubbornness or willful misbehaviour is it's very hard i think which is why i avoid a lot of the social media stuff on it because i just get mad <laughs> um the anti-mask league of san francisco you guys hadn't heard of it i hadn't really heard of it either um but there's a saying that that history repeats itself i'm not sure history does always repeat itself but it certainly likes to rhyme i think um <laughs> and uh, I think the Anti-Mask League is a kind of a, a precedent of what we're going through today. Um, yeah. Kim, you're American. You keep acting like that makes me an expert when I left when I was seven years old. <laughs> so, uh, where are we going to then, Kim? Where are we going to for this story? Um, San Francisco, which is in California. Brilliant. And when are we going to? Uh, September 1918, so cast your minds back. So in 1918, the First World War is coming to an end and then the world suffered one of its worst ever pandemics called Spanish Flu. Spanish Flu, yeah. Um, Badly named, didn't come from Spain. Um, Yeah. But the theory goes that because they weren't actually in the war, they didn't have any... Uh, censorship so they actually reported the fact a lot of people are dying here of flu whereas we didn't and so being a little bit racist we went oh we'll call it spanish flu um but there we go anyway uh so spanish flu hit san francisco in late 1918 and as a result they kind of went you know, we're going to need to school shut schools and shut uh, public meetings. 
and as a result you guys are also going to have to wear a mask which sounds very similar sounds, to today yeah sounds pretty damn similar. pretty much so yeah so by september 1918 spanish flu well this influenza pandemic hit san francisco and then by october 24th they said right we're shutting this down and we're going to make sure you all need to wear a mask and they actually went around and called people who didn't wear masks, uh, mask slackers. This is what you were called if you didn't wear a mask. Mask slacker. I like that. I'm going to use that. I'm going to use that. Definitely. That's it. I, there was the, I don't know, it feels like a different time. A, the power of the people to suppress some other people by calling them mask slackers. Mask slacker. Um, it's a then, very easy way of putting it. <laughs> <laughs> it is, it is. Um, and they, the the mayor of San Francisco actually was uh, photographed without a mask. You know, pre oh, pre smartphones, probably pre individual camera owners. Really, Pretty so much, yeah. clearly wasn't paying much attention um, when the when the paps were out. Um, so Mayor James Sunny Jim Rolf um, was uh, <laughs> Sunny Jim. What a Sunny name! Jim. Good lad. That's what I want to be called from now on. <laughs> and he got a fifty dollar fine. <laughs> so can you imagine that? That would be like Andy Burnham being fined like ten grand now for being a, an illegal party or something. Yeah, fifty dollars is probably a hell of a lot of money in nineteen eighteen. You know, that's just a serious amount of money. It was, yeah, probably. absolutely. Um, but yeah, I think like the evidence is kind of going that they kind of most people seem to actually support it and go, okay, I'm going to wear a mask. We'll we'll do this. Although interestingly, and like I, maybe there's parallels. I don't know. Um, the the sort of peak of this influenza in San Francisco hit the day after the mask mandate was put in place. So there was quite a lag, really, from it arriving and building up to when they went, oh, perhaps actually we need to put some extra restrictive steps in place. Um, yeah. and, and it's kind of... Because you think, like, back then, like... You know, this is before electron microscopy, so they'd never actually seen a virus. They didn't know actually what, to, you know, to actually visualise a virus. Um, and, you know, so this is a very early beginnings of, of um, sort of what we would now see as a modern public health approach. Um, yeah. yeah, it is very progressive for that sort of time. Um, and, um, you know, there were still the, the, I mean, as if we're enlightened at the moment, but there were still people saying, oh, you know, you could take this ointment or that and it'll be fine. And, you know, be outside a lot and you'll be fine, you know, be in the country and you'll be fine. A bit of a unicorn horn. You'll be fine. My eye of newt to cure your influenza. Yeah, we could have done some bloodletting. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. Um, but they were so considering at the t as well. The other thing is to remember is that these guys they didn't have a test like we do now. So they weren't testing. They couldn't test for an influenza virus. So they were having to kind of go off their gut to go like, well, you've got these symptoms. I think you've got the influenza and uh and also the, but despite that they were managing to keep like a daily total and by wearing masks it seemed to be working and then by um 11th of november 1918 so armistice day um they'd managed to get it down to only 10 new cases that day and no influenza deaths and so they were kind of going, there was a lot of pressure then in the media going, right, we've won the war. It's won, it's over. We should be able to celebrate and we should be able to no longer need to wear a mask and we should be able to celebrate. So what do you think they did? They went out and got messed up. They I did. Imagine. So they said, you can take your masks off. You don't need to wear your masks anymore. 
and you can celebrate, celebrate our victory in World War One, or as they call it then, the Great War. They didn't know there was a second to come. How did it go, Kim? Not, not so well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Celebrations were short. <laughs> yeah, as you might expect, ram a whole load of people during a pandemic into a small space, and Ooh. what happens? So, yeah, and then by January, it was starting to creep up again. And so uh, by early January, hospitals were full again and they were reporting at least 25 people dying every day in San Francisco due to influenza. Um, So, you know, slightly premature celebrations. And what have you got on the next one? Sorry. Um, Well, that's when they decided to um, reissue the masks. Yeah, they decided to bring back masks at that point. Are we talking like surgical masks? Are we talking like cloth masks? What are we talking like masks? I'm sure it was a cloth mask. Because I can't imagine there's no such thing as a surgical mask. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. fabric masks. Which would have been surgical masks at the time. Um, Would have been like, you know, clean linen. Um, So, yeah, so they, on the January the 15th, 1919, uh, public health officials said that um, there'd been 510 new influenza cases that day. Uh, And this is in one city, remember, and 50 deaths. So the board of supervisors, this sort of board that got together uh, and basically said, right, masks are coming back. Um, and so like the very next week they managed to get that number down to 12 new cases and four deaths in one day so masks were working but by the sounds of it again perhaps a bit of a parallel um, (laughs) the population were a bit fed up Um, the sort of patriotism behind oh let's all band together and you know fight this foe was waning um that there were people who were rich and powerful who were allowed to perhaps do a bit more what they wanted so uh theaters and churches and schools and bits and bobs were allowed to stay open this time um lining the pockets of of the wealthy um, and people were a bit frustrated with that so if you guys, so if you remember like during, I mean, I really miss President Obama, um, but do you remember during Obama there was the tea party? Yeah, yeah, I remember that. You know, like kind of like a proto-Trump um, thing. And, um, you know, how dare you give us cheap health care and things like that. And um, so kind of after this sparks this movement um, going, well, how come... Which you can kind of see the thought process. How come that theatre owner or whoever can keep their business open, but you're making me wear a mask? Uh, And so they formed the Anti-Mask League as a result. Um, The Anti-Mask League. It sounds so so terrifying. We are the League of the Anti-Masks. It needs a theme song, doesn't it? It's a bit... It is a bit different. Um, And... But kind of like by this point, there was a little bit of a toxic atmosphere. Um, so, you know, people were were being uh, arrested. Uh, they were arresting people for pulling their mask down to enjoy their morning pipe. You know, as oh, you their know, morning pipe. Like. Their morning pipe. So, you know, we've all seen, I mean, I saw them today oh, in, the, in Victoria Centre where they've pulled their mask down to show their nose or even lower down to show their chin. Uh, and, um, you know, they were, um, yeah, they, uh, people, you know, I was just enjoying my morning pipe officer were still being arrested. And I thought you said morning pint, like morning pint. That's no, pipe, saying. like a... Yeah, like a pipe. <laughs> <laughs> population of San yeah, Francisco. Like smashing the alcoholism whilst they're doing <laughs> uh, And they were, they were kind of doing, like, on-the-spot $5 fines as well. So you there you need to pay $5. And I, I've not read anything, but I, I can't... <laughs> I can't imagine then 
I mean, they didn't know what COPD was back then, but I can't imagine there was an exemption list, so it must have been a bit more, well, you must wear one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I assume so. So, they, so around, so two, two days after they had declared, you know, oh, we're on top of this, it's fine, go and, go and celebrate in the streets, um... They had 1,875 deaths reported in the city. Um, and the, the, the city population was about 500,000. So, a, you know, a decent proportion of people. Yeah, Jesus. I'm but, so that was in the November, and by February that had climbed to three thousand two hundred and thirteen. With, and that's that's based on best guesses at the time, I guess, because as, as Jamie said, they didn't have a test for it, but that was their estimate. So I think, like, if you think, like, Pete, these guys had just fought a, the most horrific war ever at that point. And yeah, although albeit in America it was a distant war, it wasn't something that was happening right there and then. But then to have this happen to you, it, I I don't think we can probably comprehend that. No, it's really, mad. It's really. like terrifying. Really do more mm. um, But San Francisco, the the mayor and 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 the authorities, they they held firm against the league. Uh, the Anti-Mask League. Um, <laughs> I've just got this image of this Anti-Mask League like with laser guns and they're flying <laughs> and they're like fighting each other. It's like the Avengers. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can't... I can't find... We've not been able to find any information as to how many people were in this league other than the fact that they made a comment that they had to move a meeting to an ice rink because there were so oh. many people. But that's about, you know... Captain America was part of this league. Well, I hope not. <laughs> I know. Um, so yeah, and and there was there was violence from from both sides. So um, an unmasked protester was shot by a health official. Yeah. <laughs> Bloody hell! Wow! Bloody hell! Absolutely, absolutely true. So apparently, a health official saw somebody not wearing a mask, pulled out a gun, and shot them. I'm not sure I can work. Okay, that's that's serious. Kim, this is America. I am not responsible. <laughs> um, but um, so there was a, a chap called uh, Doctor William C. Hassler, and he was a he was one of the more senior health officials, kind of like a you know Anthony Fauci over in America at the moment. Okay, yeah. yeah. The, the 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 chap that Trump keeps trying to fire but can't fire. Um, it makes too much sense but. so he had a bomb sent to his address oh my god wow so yeah they opened it up and there was this bomb and it had like glass and buckshot in it and a note that said compliments of John whoever John was um, so yeah so there's the, there's the, you've got health officials shooting protesters you've got protesters sending health officials bombs so not really a nice um, atmosphere. The head of the anti-mask league. Yeah. My name is John. <laughs> <laughs> and and they they're advertising in newspapers and uh, you know they're they're renting spaces like ice rinks so they can have like thousands of people show up. Um, but you know the the health officials were kind of saying. We're we're not we're not going to listen to you. We're going to keep going, even if you're sending us bombs. Um, and basically, the anti-mask league kind of imploded on itself. So they had a, a meeting on the first of February, nineteen nineteen, um, where they just fell out, and they uh, voted out their chairwoman. And uh, one of the members who had um, rented that hall and had organised the event uh, didn't like what he was hearing, so he just switched the lights off. 
Uh, I love I love this rabble. Just this rabble. <laughs> so, I love that the rabble had a chairperson. That's a good effort. I think, and an right. organizer. They had an organizer yep. who at the time to rent an ice rink. You've kind of got this concept of all these sort of chavs going around. It's like with the with the uh, with the NF, with the with the NF. No, not the NF. The uh, the with the anti-mask league. <laughs> <laughs> but they have an organizer and a chairman. And they're an organized protest group, I would say. So yeah, so like they, I, I I don't know. I suppose like if you see some of the things going on on on, and I think this is something that you find in, in all sorts of conspiracy theorists as well. If you get like a hundred scientists in a room, they will tend to agree with each other because they follow a certain principle, don't they? Yeah. Whereas if you get a hundred conspiracy theorists in a room. They'll all agree that there's a conspiracy, but they won't be able to agree on what that conspiracy is. Yeah, absolutely. You know, they'll all agree that JFK was a conspiracy, but they can't agree on what the conspiracy was, kind of. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, so yeah, so they they voted out their chair and uh, Anti-Mask League member William Scott said, I rented this hall and now I'm going to turn off the lights. So he turned off the lights. Uh, and that was it. And on that day, um, the um, uh, the San Francisco officials lifted the mask order uh, to coincide with the end of the anti-mask league. Um, and that was pretty much past the, the peak of, of the influenza. And, and that was the anti-mask league of San Francisco. Bella, would you like to give your virgin watermelon daiquiri a a um, a lit- This was made a lot of love. You better give this a serious score. Out of five I quacks. I feel like I need to forfeit my my quack for this episode. She's going to be like, it was good. It needed rum. For <laughs> 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 for. For the sake of completion and my OCD, would you be able to give it a score out of five quacks? It gets a full five. Yes! See? (laughs) Canal, what would you like to give your Franco-German Riesling? I think it's... um, So, as a Riesling, it it strikes me as a very classic Riesling. I bought it because I thought it might be a slightly more unusual Riesling. But it's kind of not, to be Mm. honest with you. It, It tastes very... It tastes like a standard Riesling, very apple very peachy. It's dry, it's drinkable. It's worth three out of five, I think, for me. How does it compare to other Rieslings you've had? So, Rieslings that I normally have are, are a little bit juicier than this. This has almost got a little bit of dryness. So it's like, it, it's, it's apples and it's citrus and it's peach and it's light. Mm. So as I said, it's only a 12%, but it's also quite dry. So I, I'm dry to my tongue isn't really... It's not something I typically like. It hasn't got a lot of body to it whatsoever. I like a Riesling that lingers a little bit more, so I don't think it it can go up into those higher territories. So it's a bit drier. It's a bit quicker on a finish. It hasn't got a complicated finish or anything like that. So for me, I think it gets a fair three. Cool. Kim, what do you think of uh, three choirs (laughs) other than bubbly? Bubbly. I feel so unqualified after Canal's given his... uh, very insightful delve, delve into his reasoning. I like you say this is one of our go tos. We really like it. Um, I, I'm going to give it four quacks. Good work. Four quacks. Nice. Yeah, decisive. Excellent. Um, this I uh, so it's it's definitely dry. It's a dry drink. It, as I said, it's not as so. It's quite, I would say, subtle is its word. This one, it it, it isn't as strong as so. I've, I've mentioned Night Timber as, as other English sparkling wines, um, but you know, it's an absolutely lovely go-to uh, drink um, and a bit of a favourite. So. Um, I would probably give it a three quacks. So between the two of us, that'll be three and a half quacks. So yep. if I do it that way, that works out as quite three and a half quacks seems reasonable. 
<laughs> well, that was it. I was trying to fix the system to get three and a half quacks between the two of us. So yeah, if I give it three, that's three and a half quacks. There we go. The for like, like one, an overall, an overall quacks for three different drinks, if that's even possible. <laughs> oh, no, let's not do that. We've got three arms of this particular study. <laughs> Brilliant. It's not, not even worth doing. Uh, we should make sure this isn't another year before we do this again. Oh, we'll do it again. I'm really sad to not have you guys here. I'm, I'm, it's upsetting me now not to have you here at my bar so we can do this properly. It's uh, sad. And I can't stuff you full of a three-course meal as well. Like we. I know, they're and I do amazing. feel like you enjoy the drink, even though I can't drink it, more when you've got company. Yes, Bella would have been, yeah. Do you, not in, do you not enjoy it with your husband sat next to you? Other company as well. <laughs> I'm drinking my wine, and she knows she can't drink it. She'll still give me the bloody eye. She'll be like, <laughs> "Do that." She'll give me the eyes, like for the well, purpose. I can't drink it. For the purpose I of the. For the next nine months, when we found out, would you be willing to support me in my non-alcoholic nine months? I was like, and no. Just said no. No, 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 there was no. There wasn't even a discussion. It was just no. a straight no. Take it and go. Take it and go. No chance. Kim, you've got no, quite a Kim, you've got quite a, you've got a couple of friends who are currently pregnant. Are, are any of, are their spouses supporting them in a dry nine months? I've not asked. Hold on, hold on. Supporting them is a strong word here, right? I'm so I don't want to say you should be supporting your wife. Who do, do people do that? Is that a thing? They do do that. It's a I thing. Think it's a thing. It is. It is a thing. I don't know that I know anyone who's done it, but I do believe it's a thing. I have um, dialed back my wine drinking, no doubt, while she's yeah. been pregnant. I uh, have increased my beer drinking. <laughs> so, I love a pale. we've had a five out of five virgin watermelon daiquiri. We've got a three out of five Riesling. Where did you buy it, Canal? This is uh, it's from Majestic. So I picked it up from Majestic when I went to do my big wine order the other day. Cool. And we've got a three and a half quack, uh, three choirs, yeah. which we bought in Delilah. Fine foods in Nottingham. Lovely people. <laughs> if you are in Nottingham, give them money. Yes. <laughs> there we go. Excellent. Thank you, Bella. Thank you, JT. Thank you, Canal. Good to see you, JT. Thank you, Kim. Thank you. And thank you. Me. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Jamie. Thank you, Jamie. Thank you, Jamie. Good Thank job. you. Cheers, everyone. Cheers. Cheers. Yes, yes. Woo. Woo.